Hi, Fresh Ed listeners. My name is Bahar Karaachla. I'm a PhD student at the University of Glasgow, and podcasts have been immensely helpful during my PhD journey. I have listened to podcasts in and beyond my classes. I'm even a research assistant working on a project trying to figure out exactly how podcasts are used in higher education. We recently launched a survey that we'd like to invite you to take. If you use podcasts in your learning or just love podcasts, we'd love for you to take the survey. It'll only take about 15 minutes. You can find it in the show notes or at freshadpodcast.com slash survey. Thank you for your support. And now on with today's episode. This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. Today, we continue our mini-series called The Fresh Ed Questionnaire. I've been asking guests a set of standard questions after each interview. These questions focus on how guests approach writing, reading, research, and supervision. I want to talk about these activities to highlight the many different approaches to the day-to-day activities we do inside universities. Today's episode focuses on research. I've asked guests to describe how they approach research and to give a piece of advice to a new student in terms of conducting research. Here's what they had to say. My name is Duran Wallace. I'm an assistant professor of sociology and education at Brandeis University and a research fellow at the Center on the Dynamics of Ethnicity at the University of Manchester. Um, I approach research first with an eye towards the question. What is the question that I'm trying to answer? that motivates this particular project. And I spend a fair amount of time trying to get the question right, because I think if I get the question right, then it allows me to get my methods right, right? And so for me, that is really, really central. I try not to do a whole lot of wondering, but I spend a lot of time thinking about how do I ask the right question? Has this question been asked before? Have other folks answered this question already, right? So getting the question right is crucial. And then in terms of how I approach my work because of my background in community organizing, my work is either motivated by or is responsive to community needs. So even the current ethnography I'm undertaking is very much a response to a local community's request for this kind of work, right? And I find that to be that kind of community-engaged work is incredibly hard, particularly for early career scholars. But what is really key is that, you know, the sort of superhero narrative that we have as this sort of a lone range of research flying through the woods and, you know, uncovering truth. You know, you can abandon that when you're doing community-based work and start to do it with others. It holds you accountable, right? And it allows you, I think, to sort of mirror more senior scholar to better hone your skills on interviewing right? For instance, right? In order to make you a better... That is how I approach research is, you know, by thinking clearly about my question and also being accountable to community. Piece of advice for new graduate students is to be clear about why you've come to graduate school, right? So we've seen considerable contraction in the labor market, both in US and UK higher education, where there are not as many jobs. And we need to... Academic jobs, I mean. And we need to be very, very real about that. You can get a PhD and then decide, you know what? I want to go into industry. And that is totally okay. You're by no means a failure. In fact, that might be your point of success if you decide you want to go on and become a school leader or a policymaker or researcher in the public square. Right. So I think being clear about why you're pursuing graduate studies and, you know, revisiting that question perhaps every six months is key. I'll also raise my hand and say I did not do a PhD thinking I would become an academic. Every day I stand in front of my students and I go, how did I get here? I look around and say, how did I get here? Because I pursued a PhD because I met a teacher who posed a fascinating intellectual question and I thought it was one worth answering. And it was that 
it was that deep commitment to the question, that deep commitment to sort of um, chasing truth to its lair, as it were, from a social scientific standpoint, that brought me to graduate studies. It wasn't the pursuit of a professorate, right? And so I, I think sometimes those switches do happen. But what was helpful for me was I was clear all throughout about the set of skills I was getting. I needed to be an excellent presenter and a great teacher. I needed to make sure that my I could do policy work. And more than that, I needed to know how to translate research to public audiences. Those are skills that I was developing because in my mind, I thought I would go on and become a nonprofit leader or go on and become a researcher. But that all began with the sort of clarity around what skills am I honing in my graduate studies and what brought me here in the first place. So that would be my bit of advice for graduate students. Um, be clear about what brought you to graduate schools, graduate school and revisit the question perhaps every six months. I'm Crystal Strong. I'm an assistant professor of Black Studies and Education at Rutgers University. I approach research in a very passion-driven way. I'm always thinking about what feels like it matters to me, but also what feels like it matters to the communities that I'm a part of and connected to. There's this old school anthropology book that I sometimes teach with called The Perfect Stranger by Michael Agar. And in that book, he has this chapter called Who Are You to Do This? And I always ask that question to myself. And I always ask that question to my students, especially when I'm thinking about embarking on a new kind of collaboration or project. I think it's a question we should be asking. And if I feel like there's a reason why I should be doing it, then that's an important precondition. Think about the people whose lives are embedded in the work and whose lives could be impacted by the work and be in community with those people. I'm Greg Scutches. I am director of writing across curriculum at Lehigh University. You know, find something that's meaningful to you. And, you know, that's a process, right? To find a really good question takes some preliminary research, right? So we, I think we shortchange this idea. You know, we do the same thing with young people. We say, find your passion. As if you're going to be walking down the street one day and the clouds are going to part. And go, There's my passion. Oh, you know, actually your passion isn't something you find. It's something you craft. You have array, an array of interesting things. You pursue them all. And one thing starts to get more traction. It becomes increasingly interesting. Next thing you know, you're thinking about that at times when you're not even working and you're starting to craft the passion, right? So I think the same thing with research, right? You know, one, I think the tenure system does a lot of damage in, in having this ticking clock that steers faculty, young faculty away from big ideas, right? And so, I mean, my advice would be hard because, you know, it might be seen as bad advice. Find something that's really interesting to you. Could be, so maybe even just hold on to your ideas, you know, find other ways of make, make sure that when the time comes that you can pursue the ideas that you've already had. Although I, that's questionable advice too, because I think it's almost like going through the somewhere along the line your soul gets lost you know in this effort to keep up so i don't know if that's it that's difficult that's challenging advice but it's the best i can do at this point yeah i think just heads up about about what you're being offered here in this education right i mean you're not really being offered what we call an education per se you're you're being offered training that's what's being offered. You can have, you can seek out education in that, within the, that system, right? So for example, you'll be told to do a dissertation that's publishable so you can get a job and maybe, maybe stay away from big ideas. And I would say, resist that. Go for your big ideas. My name is Yo Yun and Yo is my family name. So I'd prefer to be called in that way. And I'm now associate professor in the Department of Education is China Nome University. So for me, doing research, it's a bit like detective games, I would say. I don't know if this is a good metaphor, but I do always have many puzzles in my mind and I want to figure them out. 
So to do so, I have to find all the evidence, uh, empirical, historical, philosophical, construct them as an evidence chain, and then make sense of them. So I'd say find something really bother you. So, or in other words, something you have your real passion on. So that might be often related to your personal experience. I'll start from there, but also go beyond that. I'm Lachlan McNamee. I'm an assistant professor of political science at UCLA and a lecturer of politics at Monash University. I'm guided by cases. I'm not someone who starts off thinking that I'm going to have some grand theory and I want to test it. I usually will be motivated by a particular case. For me, it was the kind of plight of the Uyghurs in China or the West Papuans in Indonesia and my kind of frustration with either the theories that don't explain these cases very well or just the puzzles that these cases generate. And I think starting from cases, cases that you care about and thinking from those cases to the broader theoretical framework is also a really great way to kind of generate interesting insights, things that haven't been picked up by scholars and allow you to enter into conversations uh, with kind of a fresh perspective. You know, again, as a graduate student, often the easiest thing you can do to make a contribution is to collect data, collect data that people haven't done before. And in a case that might be understudied, you can kind of leave the grand theorizing to later, but kind of collecting your own data, which for me, in the, in the case of like the study of settler colonialism, one of the first kind of interventions I made was actually just to collect data on, on settlers and where they were moving in northwestern China and, and in um, what the West in West Papua. And these data, you know, allow me to kind of ask, you know, things that hadn't been able to ask, people hadn't been able to ask before, like, why did the state settle this area at this time, not this area at that time? Or why did it successfully settle this area and fail to settle this area? Often kind of collecting your own data lets you ask new questions and um, gets around that kind of fear or the, the intimidation of, of theory, uh, at least for me. So I'm Professor Susan Robertson and I'm Professor of Sociology of Education and also the uh, co-editor-in-chief of Globalisation Societies and Education. How do I approach research for myself? Reading a lot, reading very widely. Education doesn't come packaged up. It's certainly not a discipline, it's a problem space, I think, uh, as an issue area. Um, and many of the different ways in which we would need to th both think about and encounter the kind of education as a problem space is necessarily going to have to draw on sociology, politics, industrial relations, international relations, you know, economics and so on. And so I personally approach research as thinking about education as an issue area problem space, but where I deliberately try, and I would encourage all of my students that I work with to do that, is to see yourself as actually drawing from as much of the social sciences as you possibly can to, and it's a big ask because you have to read a lot, um, but I think you get closer to trying to engage with the real world because the real world doesn't walk through that world just as a sociology problem and it certainly doesn't walk through the world as, let's say, for example, a problem of politics, certainly not to do with education. And so I think at great risk and great peril and it's not to say the disciplines are not useful, they certainly are, but we also have to understand the limitations of those those disciplines. So um, that's how I approach research. In conducting, well, 
the path forward is never straight, is it? Uh, the world is very complicated at times. Things unexpected happen that you didn't, didn't then anticipate COVID even being one of those. And so I would say in conducting research, think about being as methodologically innovative as you possibly can to resolve problems and issues, you know, new angles in on something methodologically, um, and not only thinking about the substantive kind of problem area. I feel that when we problematize those, our tools, and the problem or the issue area in space, that in fact, actually what you're then doing is you're contributing, it strikes me, through research to kind of at least trying to approximate a decent account of, of something. So the tools, the kind of methodological tools, if we think of them, are just as important as, and I would also say um, fundamentally, the substantive kind of area that we're actually working in. So I'm Dr. Jürgen Emlen. Uh, I'm an assistant professor at the University of Hong Kong and an honorary fellow at uh, Deakin University of Australia. I am an educator, so I approach research from the viewpoint of practice every single time. There's no purpose in this stuff if I just keep on publishing papers for academics. I approach research as a critical practice. That's, that's what I do. When you think about your methods for your data collection or analysis or finding literature, always ask yourself why? Why this specific method? Why this specific branch of literature? And the very important uh, second question is, why not something else that this very, very useful tip has, uh, very, very brief useful tip has, has really changed my own approach to writing? My name is Francine Menashe, and I'm an associate professor at OISE at the University of Toronto. So I have learned that the best research comes out of something you're really passionate about. So... Sometimes research projects or research directions have fallen in my lap, um, being kind of led by someone else or someone else's idea. But I find that approaching research coming from your own passions works better. You're, you're more likely to spend time on it. You're more likely to want to get the findings out there. So really follow something that's really close to your heart rather than what someone else tells you is timely or popular. Do you have any other piece of advice for a, like a new graduate student about to conduct research for the first time? Make sure that it's manageable and you can finish it. I know we all want to produce earth-shattering, groundbreaking, whatever metaphor you want kind of research, but um, I know it's a horrible thing to say, but it's actually true that the best dissertation is the one on the shelf, and you want to finish at some point. So make sure that it's a feasible study you can do within the time you want to be in the program. My name is Jamie Martin. I'm an assistant professor of history and social studies at Harvard University. I would say three things guide the way I do research. One is to start wide, kind of, you know, cast a wide net. Um, two is to, when you find something that interests you, follow your nose, keep following it, because if it interests you, chances are very good it's going to interest other people. The third thing that I really try to keep in mind, which is sometimes difficult to follow is to avoid using research as a tool of procrastination. Always start writing before you're ready. Don't think that you can ever kind of complete your research in a way that it will be done and that then will allow you to start writing. Writing itself changes 
the process of research. So always start writing before you feel ready to. Yeah, I mean, again, like follow your nose, uh, even if it seems kind of irrelevant or ancillary to what you said you were doing or what your advisor thinks you're doing, follow your nose, because that is, you know, in most cases, how you're going to find your most exciting finds. My name is Judith Landeros. I am a PhD candidate at the University of Texas at Austin studying curriculum and instruction in the cultural studies and education program. I approach research with the idea that I have this like responsibility, but also privilege to be able to share stories, uh, to be able to bring healing, um, to communities or people or in, you know, individual or, you know, the earth, um, mother earth with a lot of responsibility though, because you have to think about what you're writing and who you're writing it for and what you're writing about and making sure that it isn't, you know, used in ways that could generate more harm, but in ways that really uplift and, you know, rewrite, you know, stories. If you're not really enjoying everything you're reading in your coursework, meet other people and find other things to read and bring that into your course. You know, advisors, professors, graduate students, you know, it's building relationships and, you know, sharing this. Find your people and... um you'll be able to, you know, learn more about the type of research you want to do. I'm Ezequiel Gomez Caride. I'm working at the University of San Andres in Argentina. I am assistant professor. Well, I try to somehow relate the questions that I have with kind of the global kind of discussion about it and try to relate because very smart people have sure have these similar kind of questions. But I feel that the challenge is to try to relate to these previous kind of authors in a way that you can somehow say something new or different or, or that it's, it's not being said. Uh, so that, that's a very complicated task. I always recommend to share drafts uh, as soon as possible. Don't, don't wait to, to finish the book to share. Uh, so you have one draft, the first chapter, share it, socialize it and go to a conference and, and, and receive feedback. Uh, I think that that's very productive. Uh, don't wait to have the perfect draft to share it. Kehalani Vaughn, I'm assistant professor of Pacific Island Education and Education Culture Society at the University of Utah. My research was done in consultation with a community. So, for example, my dissertation research was looking at the Ahashiman in Orange County, and before I wrote my dissertation, I met with some Ahashman leaders, I met with some of their elders, their kapuna, and I really asked, is this something that, you know, the tribe, the Native nation would feel is beneficial for their community? And if not, then how could I change it so it was? Or is there another topic in which I can write about this story and document it so that it's beneficial for their community and not just for me submitting as my dissertation project. Do something you're passionate about. Do not write about or do not engage in research that's cool or sexy. It's really thinking about what is so important to you that despite every type of situation that could prevent you from finishing is going to make you, you know, pass that finish line. Uh, I am Aizuddin Mohamed Anwar and I am a lecturer in education at Keele University in the UK. I mean, personally, I find that I always try to figure out what it is my personal connection to the topic is. And that's always been, for me, a very productive entryway into further understanding or further research into that topic. 
I guess to understand the the kind of your personal imperative behind wanting to study that topic, I feel like that kind of personal connection is very important to sustain motivation, especially when it becomes kind of difficult and you begin to wonder what the whole point of doing that work is. Hi, I'm Zina Zaharia, and I'm an assistant professor at the University of Maryland in College Park. Honestly, it's been difficult. I think, you know, as an untenured professor and a Palestinian scholar, there's been a lot that I couldn't pursue in my research. But I, I hope that, you know, I can leave that to others who are more secure in their spaces. And for myself, I can uplift others through my own work, where my own security can create the possibility for doing research in, in those spaces. And I think a lot of my work has been guided by that. I'd say think deeply about the ethics of your research and the implications of the work on your own security. My name is Nazmi Anwar. I teach architecture in uh, Taylor's University in KL. It should be something personal. Uh, I tend to narrow down on things that I'm, I don't know, either agitated by or things that I feel confused about uh, or things that I'm struggling to understand. So that would become something that I, I'm, I'll be interested in. I and mean, for example, I'm trained as an architect. And as an architect, development is always good because it means you get to do more projects. However, the, the PhD that I'm starting is kind of a critique of development, which is kind of, I mean, as an architect, that is sort of counterintuitive because you're sort of questioning, in a way, your very role. So I think finding, finding something like that, you know, something that is not obvious, but something that is perhaps allowing you to kind of have a different take on your profession, on your field, right? I think uh, to find a critical position is, is crucial and it's, it's important to do a meaningful research. I mean, have something that you, you can foreseeably work on for a long period of time. Because I think one of my problems was that I find a lot of things interesting. And I would be like, the next week I would have something, oh, this is interesting. And then the other week, that is also interesting. So, so I think to kind of, also to have a clarity of thought. Right? Let's, say, let's say to put all your interests on the table and see which one is it that is could lead to the most fruitful kind of research. And it's not just a passing interest. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm interested in this for weeks and then I'm no longer invested in it. So I think to, to find something that, like at the heart of it, that is your actual concern, I guess, and, and that, that makes it uh, worthwhile. Hello, my name is Alison Milner and I'm an assistant professor at Aalborg University in Denmark. How do I approach research? <laughs> well, I think it depends actually on the type of research. Am I working on my own or am I working with other people? It depends on who our research funder is, how much steering is coming from them, or how much freedom we have as researchers to set the agenda. I think in terms of the, the work I've done with my former supervisor, and I continue to do um, on trade unions, one of the best things uh, about that is having really good established relationships with the research collaborators, the research funders at, in Brussels, and, and knowing what they want from the project, and having then established really good relations with the affiliates who we normally do research on or with. So, you know, one of the bits of advice that actually my PhD supervisor gave me once in terms of impact is this idea of don't piss off the funder, basically. <laughs> because these are the people actually that, you know, in terms of research impact, they can have a huge impact on that. They can take your research to the next level. They can be the ones that pass it on to the European Commission. They can be the ones that put it out through their social media, encourage 
their affiliates to use. So actually, if you have those opportunities to work with funding providers that you work directly with, I think that's a really important thing is that positive relationship with them in terms of their research. Well, I think the important thing is to see it as an iterative process. You are going to change throughout this process as well. Your views are going to change constantly. You are going to feel like you don't know what you're doing a lot of the time. You are going to feel as well that you are maybe not fit for the research. You are not academic enough. You are not intellectual enough. But this is something that we all kind of have to negotiate, even post-PhD as researchers. And I would say you have to keep going and constantly stay in dialogue with not just your PhD supervisors, but other PhD students, people in your faculty, have conversations. Don't isolate yourself because it can be very isolating as a PhD student um, and constantly ask questions. And don't be afraid, ultimately, if something is not working in your research, to throw it to one side, because actually what you may be doing is actually finding what is right in your research in doing that in the process. And it may actually be you don't really understand your research till the very last few months, the very last few weeks of your project. But ultimately, you will get there in the end. I'm Junior Bloom. I'm a lecturer in sociology at California State University in Los Angeles. How do you approach your research? That's kind of a tough question in the sense that there are times where there's a question that kind of pops to mind and I'll try and figure out what's the best way to research it. There are times where a lot of times where I'll read something or I'll hear something on the news. I'm like, there's a project here, but I don't know quite what. And what I'll tend to do is I'll just kind of talk about it with friends and sometimes We'll come up with an idea and we'll say, okay, like, hey, let's try and collaborate on this. Let's try and figure something out. And sometimes we just back burner it and we say, okay, well, it's an idea. And if we can think of something, then we'll do it. I don't necessarily think of methods first. I tend to do myself. I tend to do a little bit more qualitative work. I tend to do a little bit more interviews, but I've worked with some absolutely amazing quantitative scholars. And so we're able to kind of merge our different areas of knowledge. And that means that I don't have to worry about the kind of method or how I want to study something because I know that there's someone that I can work with, even if it's not my own methodology. Don't expect your research to go to plan. You're going to work really, really hard coming up with a detailed plan, and it's going to be amazing. And you're going to find that the survey you wrote, third of the people, only a third of the people, if you're lucky, sent it back. Those interviews you set up to talk, and you were sure something came up and that person couldn't make it, and you can reschedule. Shit happens. And then that's part of research that I don't think gets taught, but it's a part of our lives. Like, remember that it's, I'm coming at y'all as a sociologist and a criminologist. So I'm, I deal with people. And that means I've got to deal with people who have their own lives, who've got their own schedules, who've got their own desires. They may not want to talk to a professor about you know whatever it is I'm studying. And that's fine. Like they're competent adults. We've got to respect that. When you run into that, be aware it's okay for your research not to go according to plan. Just be honest about it and say, okay, here is the plan. Here's how it had to change because I didn't have access to A, B, or C. Janelle Scott, I'm a professor at UC Berkeley. I approach research by doing what I ask my students to do. I tend to follow my curiosity. I read a lot. I listen a lot, I think, hard about what's missing that I think is really important. I try and speak to the things that I think are missing, and I really enjoy and lean into collaborative projects. 
try to resist the pressure to develop this huge public profile right away. Understand that careers and life happens in seasons. And sometimes it's a season of quiet and it's a season of reflection and it's a season of sense making and figuring out and experimenting and trying things. And sometimes it's a season of being out in the world and at conferences or on social media or, you know, in relational kinds of situations that they, to be patient with the seasons and to not measure their intellectual development or professional development against someone else's. Everyone's path is unique. Uh, Michael Crossley, Professor of Comparative and International Education at the University of Bristol in the UK. I have to feel I'm committed to whatever the issue is, so I have to have a, a real reason for wanting to do it. Narrow down your reading when you begin and focus. and Don't try to do everything. I'm Natasha Wariku, and I am Stern Professor in the Social Sciences in the Department of Sociology at Tufts University. I tend to follow kind of my instinct and questions that I have and things that I see are kind of bubbling up to the surface. So, um, you know, I think people in different fields and even within sociology, you know, different, I don't know, orientations do things differently and, you know, tend to hone in on like one or two questions over the course of their career. And I see the value in that. But I also, for my own research, I tend to sort of, you know, there are some overarching themes in the projects that I've done related to education, race, equity, um, meritocracy. I kind of follow, I don't know, I follow my gut. I don't know how else to say that in terms of kind of what I end up researching. My name is um, Mario Novelli. I'm a professor in the political economy of education at the University of Sussex in the UK. I approach research as something that the process is as important as the product, that it's a journey and you have to recognise that, uh, you know, particularly myself and the areas that I work to, is that there's a lot of empirical work. So you're meeting with people now. So it's about thinking about not just parachuting in and out of people's lives, thinking about reciprocity and what each partner in the research process is getting out of this. Uh, if you're working with colleagues, thinking about them as well, what are they getting out of it? It's just about you, it's about a team. So um, research, I think, is a really complex thing. And so there are a range of ethical things around that that I think you need to think about. Um, I think I mentioned already, you know, recognising an ethics of behaviour. Perhaps I would also say that be both methodologically and theoretically open, not close yourself down to the empirical reality that you're engaging with. Don't be driven just by the theory and the methodology. Let the research speak for itself and be prepared to move and change and think that, you know, the theory and the methodology are not ends in themselves. They're means to try to solve issues. So uh, be open to that. My name is Luis Murrieta and I'm a professor of cultural studies of education in the Department of Curriculum and Instruction at the University of Texas at Austin. I would say that with a lot of respect and humility, I'm there to be a co-learner co-laborer, at least the work that I've done, I've tried to co-live the experience with the people that I'm in collaboration with. 
So I share part of my life with them and I learn in the process. Do you have a piece of advice for a new graduate student in terms of conducting research? To be respectful, to be humble, to be kind, to, to be generous uh, with what you're doing and to always know there's more to know. Even when you have to be upfront sharing what you learned, that it doesn't become a pedestal for arrogance or that this title expert doesn't get to your head, right? A transcript of today's interview can be found at freshheadpodcast.com. Please note that opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed, not Fresh Ed, which takes no institutional position. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews really do help. Freshhead's team includes Fatih Akhtas, Obafemi Ungunle, Annabella Afrobonteng, Phyllis Che Mensa, and Jose Neto. Original music for Freshhead was created by Digital Primate. Freshhead is an independently run podcast without advertisements and is made possible by the support of NORAG, the Shakdev Family Fund, and listeners like you. Please consider donating to Freshhead by visiting freshheadpodcast.com slash donate. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week.